Good afternoon. Uh, you can be open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 9. We'll continue our study of the Gospel of Luke. Before we jump in, though, I do want to quote Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, the Bible says. Again, I say rejoice. Uh, there's been so many great things that have happened in the church baptisms lately. And I'm obviously great to have the students back as well. It's a precious week this week to be praying. Uh, for our student ministry there, and I'll have more to share about that later. Uh, you know, we, we, we're sharing our faith so much these days, we've run out of church invites officially, uh, which is a good problem, I like to call it. Um, uh, but in the midst of that, I've talked to uh, uh, Zach Williams, who's uh, one of our young artists in the church, and Zach has been designing some possible church logos um, to be, of course, in Birmingham, eventually right Birmingham Church of Christ, or Birmingham International. I'm sorry. Around some of the logos, out to the bowl, you know, some of the burning to some degree. Those are just some different ideas. He's trying to get feedback. Um, the one on the left, of course, we take more of the international, the globe. The other one is just a cross and a B. They kind of blend together, obviously. Uh, so this is different ideas. We hope to kind of make some new advice with a new church logo. Uh, and uh, if you want to give some feedback to Zach or you have some other ideas, please talk to him. He's away uh, this weekend, but he will be coming back uh, shortly. Uh, do you want to um, officially... Uh, uh, Welcome as a church. Uh, our, our, our new sister, Crash, just got married. She is now Mrs. Jacqueline Charles Short. Oh. Officially, I've got the official name for you, so great to have you back, Jackie. And also, want to welcome back Les Reed, the last disciple. Verse 12, late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him 
and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lock because we are in a remote place here. Verse 13, he replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there with them. But Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Verse 16, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Tell the sermon this afternoon is the master plan of evangelism. That's a great read, great book by Robert E. Coleman, if you want to learn how Jesus did his ministry and the strategies um, behind that. But it's a great read, but it's, it's also a great pattern that's starting to emerge here. Jesus, you know, he's been teaching and saving and healing, and now he starts to send his disciples out, specifically the, the 12 apostles, to do the same thing. And so, so this pattern, of course, lives on today as a church, right, in the Great Commission. The Great Commission was given at the end of Jesus' ministry, and he said there that, to, to, the, to the early church that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so, you know, what, what can we learn here uh, about our call today? Because we are still living out this great commission today as a church. That's why we're going to, to the students at Freshers Week and we're sharing with them the good news about Jesus. It's not just about, you know, you know, playing, you know, uh, Frisbee, you know, Frisbee on, on campus. It's not just about free food, although we'll have some of that. It's, it's because we have a message to share, right, uh, with those students. Uh, and so three quick ideas here uh, from this, this master plan of evangelism that I think will incorporate into our lives to help us do a great job fulfilling the Great Commission. Uh, the first part of the master plan of evangelism here is to remember that God provides. God provides. You know, verses 1 through 2 here uh, in the text says, Jesus called the twelve together, and they gave, he, he gave them power and authority, right, before he sends them out. So, so Jesus calls them to do something great, to heal people, to proclaim the kingdom of God, but he, he provides power, right, power uh, to do just that. You know, do we get the power of the gospel? You know, do we understand when we open when we open this thing up, this is dangerous. We're going to wear safety helmets right now. And you're putting on safety glasses because this is a dangerous thing when you open it up and you apply it to your life, right? You know, do we get the power of the gospel? We still have that power available to us today that Jesus sent them out with in that time. It might manifest in a different way, but it still is there, that power. You open up the Bible, kingdoms rise and fall. You open up the Bible, lives are transformed. You open up the Bible, cultures are changed. A great example of this is the island of Fiji. Anybody here been to Fiji? Yeah. My family has a few. All, all the South Pacificers basically have been to Fiji. <laughs> the UK people, I'm encouraging you to get there one day. It's a long way away. Deep out there in the South Pacific is this beautiful island of Fiji. There's some of the people, whenever you go to the resorts there, they greet you. They're all, they're all singing and welcoming you. They, they pick you know, put place to wreath of flowers around your neck, and it's it's a lovely thing. And, and, and they're just smiling. They're very warm. It's the friendliest place I've ever been to in all my life. I mean, you just feel like family when you show up, you know, at this place. Um, it was actually voted the happiest place in the world in 2014. 
I don't know how they pulled that, how they figured that out, but it was the happiest place in the world. And having visited there, those of us who have, we can attest to what a, what a happy place it is. But just a couple hundred years ago, uh, in the 1800s, uh, it was a place full of, of, of tribal warfare and cannibalism. When, when, the, when the first missionary showed up to Fiji, they were terrified. They were terrified because there's so much uh, legend about these people and the warriors that they were. These are all their, their weapons on the left. You can still find these today carved. They have the, you know, the skull crushers, the neck breakers. They have different kinds of forks that they would use. And the forks they were actually used for what they practiced, which was cannibalism. Uh, the, when, when two villages would, would war in Fiji, back in the, this is all the way through the 1800s, when you conquered one village, you, the, the chief would eat some of the other people from the other village to show their dominance. So this is just a regular thing. One of the early missionaries, uh, you know, a guy named Thomas Baker, he was actually eaten by uh, one of the villages, uh, and they actually uh, still have his shoe that they tried to boil and eat in one of the museums in Suma, the capital of Fiji, to this day. And they actually had a public apology uh, by his descendants, the, the tribe's descendants, to the, the missionaries' descendants a few years ago, um, actually, in Fiji. Um, but when you showed the Fiji, this is what greeted you. Warriors with things that wanted to kill you, and, and they might even eat you. When, you know, when uh, uh, Captain Cook sailed through the South Pacific to chart all the islands, he's a very famous British explorer, he actually charted most of the, the, the land that Fiji's uh, surrounded by in the, in the islands, he actually would not get off the boat because he was so afraid of the Fijians. That's how notorious they were. But 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 today you go to Fiji and it, it, it's all about giving you a big bullet and a hug. And, it, 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 and the Fijians themselves say what transformed their culture was simply the gospel. The tribal warfare stopped and the cannibalism stopped as well because of the power of the gospel. So I was able to experience that. Man and I were able to work with the churches in Fiji and Suba. Hopefully one day you can get there and see the transformation of the gospel uh, with your own eyes. So today, you know, uh, you know, our plans of evangelism, we want to reach out to this person, reach out to that, that person. You know, we, we get so caught up in the methods, the ideas, the cold contact versus the building the relationships. You know, do you bring it to church or do you just send the Bible? You know, should you take them to a social event? You know, do you need to get them out to the right people at the right time? We all think about these things all the time. It's, it's like thinking... The type of iPhone case makes the phone better or worse. Dress it up however you like, find what works, but the power is in the gospel. The power is in the gospel, and that's what we need to share with people, no matter how we do that or what method that we use. And so Jesus shows uh, power here, as he calls them. He also uh, reminds us of provision. In verses 3 to 4 here, as the text goes on, it says, you know, Jesus says, okay, you know, go in my name, go with power. He sends him out. He says, okay, guys, gather up. Here's the plan. Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirts. And by the way, there's nowhere to stay. If you, if someone will let you come into their house, you can stay there. Sounds like a great plan to us, right? At face value. It doesn't sound like Jesus is providing a whole lot for them to go out and do this great task. But he has already provided all that they need because he was providing them with the opportunity to perhaps to live by faith. Often with Christ's call, and I think we've all seen this if we've been around uh, Christ for a while, vision precedes provision. He's going to provide, but it's often the vision that we need to have, the faith that we need to go out in, and then the provision, the, the providing, oftentimes follows. You know, as Jesus said to two blind men as he gave them sight, in Matthew 9, verse 29, he said, according to your faith, it will be done. 
Vision often precedes provision. Not always true, but oftentimes. And are we sitting around waiting for the right situation, the right conversation to present itself at work or with our neighbor? You know, are, are we sitting around waiting for the right people, the right opportunity? No, Cornelius, we just need to, we just need to go. We just need to go. And God will provide. I'm excited about the singles ministry in the Birmingham church. We, we, we are rebuilding the singles ministry. And we have no idea how we're going to do it. We just started getting together. We started a WhatsApp. We started having meetings. We started, now there's prayer meetings going on in the city. We're making more and more plans because we have vision. And we believe with that vision in the singles ministry, God's going to provide. You know, our student ministry, you know, we, we have preference week this week. And, you know, pray for us. Come along, as I said. You know, if you want to come share your faith, up U of U in the city. Uh, please come along. You know, we have no idea how God's going to work. We're just planning some activities. We're just going to get out there and share our faith. You know, we, we have the vision and God will provide. We actually set a great goal this, uh, this afternoon. Uh, the students that showed up for our kind of kickoff thing. We thought, about, let's do something faithful. Let's do something bold. Let's just have some vision for what God can do. So our goal is to, is to share our faith with a thousand students this week. Wow. So you can be praying for that. You, you can come help us do that. We just, we just want to have vision that God can work. We just show up. Uh, if we just show up, God, of course, he can and he will work because God provides. Amen? Amen? God provides. The second thing here is God works. He provides, but he also works. In verses 4 to 5, he goes on to say, Jesus, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So the main strategy... Once you show up wherever you go, it's just to show up. It's as simple as that, isn't it? And if people are open, they're open. Amen. If people are not, he says, shake the dust off your feet. And he's referring to taking off the sandals, not that. You know, uh, you know as a testimony against it, because they're not rejecting your message. They're rejecting the message. They're not rejecting us, they're rejecting God. But they don't want to hear the truths of the gospel. But it reminds us that God is always working. He's always working. We just need to go. We just need to open our mouths. We just need to show up. And God in time will indeed work. And amen, you know, as you go, as you show up, God doesn't always work the way you think he will. My lovely wife here is part of a great student ministry at the University of Maryland. And uh, they just had uh, one of the guys who was a fellow intern with uh, the student ministry, a guy named Phil Booker. The teens remember Phil Booker from teen camp? Phil was the guest speaker this past summer. Uh, they're at the London team camp. And, and Phil still is. He's an evangelist now. A zealous guy to share his faith. And many would always tell me these stories where Phil, he thought, he thought i gotta, I got to make the most of every second of every day. So when we're in a car and we're at a stoplight or beside another car, I'm always going to have them roll down their window and I'm going to invite them out to church because we're just sitting there wasting time. And these people, they might be over right next to us. So he would, he would commonly do that. You know, Manny and him rode around a lot together because they were in the ministry together. And so he would do that in a lot of places. And one day they do that. You know, they got these students in the car and Phil... You know, has them rode on the window of the car, and he bites them out, and then they, they take off, you know, the lights green, they all go, and Manny's driving, and she's so excited about them sharing their faith with the fellow car, somehow she lost control of her car, went through a fence, you know, uh, it was a really bad wreck, and the car, the car that uh, they had reached out to was behind them when they wrecked, and so they came and kind of rescued them, you know, out of the car, and to make sure they were okay, and so that, that kind of backfired that day, that didn't really work. You know, through their evangelism, they were that car the way they, they, they felt that he might. So it doesn't, it doesn't always go as we think it's going to go. That's my point, right? Sometimes that's a good story, and sometimes that's a bad story. <laughs> but that reminds me, 
and, and when you look at this passage, it reminds me, you know, what is often true of our success stories in evangelism is a willingness to trust God to work, not our works. Because we get so caught in our works and what we're doing, and sometimes we're, we're just crowding God out and his ability sometimes to work through us. I'll never forget as a young uh, university student, I'm, getting, I'm going back here a little bit now, so bear with me. Um, you know, I was very zealous to share my faith because I came. I, I was. I did not grow up knowing God, and I was not, you know, in the church. And then when I became a Christian at the age of nineteen, I was so thankful just to be a part of God's church. And uh, and so I just shared my faith like a madman on my campus because I thought people need to hear this. I know what people are getting called to, and it's not the gospel here. It's getting drunk. It's being immoral, and it's just living the high life in the world. And so I was passionate about sharing my faith as a university student, and I hope our student ministries. Feel the same kind of young men and women, amen? Yeah. But, uh, but I never forget one day, I would sometimes just set personal goals. So I said, I got up and I was praying, and I was having my class. I said, okay, God, I want to reach 20 people today, and I want you to work. You know, I have one of those kind of prayers with God. And uh, so I went out, and I was sharing my faith. You know, and I met about 20 people, and, but no one seemed interested. I thought, amen, well, you know, that's between me and God. Maybe he'll work another time. Maybe I plant some seeds, and they'll, they'll grow later. And I'm walking home, and as I'm walking home, there's a guy in front of me. And I'm about to where I'm supposed to turn to go to my house that I was living in. And the Spirit is probably me, you need to reach out to this guy. And then I thought, well, I hit my 20. That's 21. I don't know if I need to do that, you know. Good. No, 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 you need to reach out to this guy. So I, so I reach out to this guy. He says, you know what, guy named Keith? I was praying last night. God, if you're, if you're real, please, please come to me. You're an answer to my prayer. Two weeks later, he got baptized. He's still my brother Christ to this day. Keith Rasmus. You know, I thought God needed 20, but he needed 21 that day, right? You know, another story. This is Bob James and 11. He's a close church of Christ in the I'm from Ohio. This is James Rhodes. Another brother in the close church on the right. Bob James, a little white guy. James, big black guy, right? Bob one night's at the petrol station filling up in Ohio in the winter, and it's freezing. And he is just burning the passion for Jesus. He sees James across the way. And, you know, whites and blacks have their issues in America. It's not really that common for a white guy to walk up to a black guy who he doesn't even know at a, at a station at night and, and, and talk to him. But Bob does just that. James, wide open, you know, looking for God. You know, James, you know, he backed out a few weeks later. They're still good friends, you know, to this day. And now Bob leads the church there in Columbus. And James is one of the family group leaders. You know, again, who, who would think, you know? Little white guy, big black guy, God's working. We don't think that way, right? We don't think that way. You know, I think of our, our, our Renee, who just left us to, to go back uh, to her homeland for a while because she wanted to find a job here and couldn't. Uh, Prayerfully, she'll come back one day, Renee, to you. But uh, Renee, you know, we were all blessed by Renee. But remember how Renee was reached out to? She was on a beach in Bali on holiday. Brian and Lauren Hinkle, who were working for the London Church at that time, were there with their kids. Renee starts playing with their kids on the beach. They start talking to Renee. Uh, they find out Renee's going to be going to school in the UK. They start to connect her eventually. They connect her to our church, and, and Renee becomes your sister in Christ, right? And just, you know, God, God works. He's, he's always working. A lot of times we are not even aware of the way that he's working. And I bet there are other stories just like those stories. If we had more time tonight, I could open it up right now. And you can share that story, and you can share that story of how God... God's always working. He's always working. We, we just need to show up. We just need to show up, and God indeed will work. He, he works as we show up. We also see here in the text that he works as we love. I think it's a very important point here to remember. We can't just go and show up. We also got to bring love as we do it. Twice in this, in this call from Jesus, uh, we see this idea of he wanted not just to proclaim the kingdom of God in verse 2, but also to heal 
the sick. And again, it says that the apostles set out in verse 6, and they proclaimed the good news, and they healed people everywhere. You know, we must save people with the gospel, but we must, we must also be willing to help people's lives to be healed. Because sometimes it's hard for someone to really heal, but hear the gospel when their life is in disarray, when their life is in challenge. And amen, we don't want to make the gospel into a social gospel, but we must care for physical needs so we can minister to people's souls as well. And as a church, you know, it's great to have the volunteers go to Cambodia and things like that. And uh, we've got to keep working on our own programs, our own volunteerism. Uh, we've had some starts and stops in that since I've been here. We've got to keep, keep working. But, but every day in our church, every day in our schools, every day in our neighborhoods, there's plenty of love to give. And love can be a very powerful, very powerful and healing thing. Our love can heal so much and so many. And we of all people know what love is about, because God has loved us with an undying love, as Mark shared about so great when he shared communion today, that you know, God can and will work through simple everyday acts of love. You know, methods, opinions, plans, in light of what Jesus teaches here are overrated. Do this, do that, you know, amen. There is wisdom. Seek advice, right? Uh, but at the end of the day, if we keep going, we keep showing up, we keep loving, God will work. So the master plan of evangelism, you know, God provides, he works, and finally here tonight, he exceeds. God provides, he works, and God exceeds. See, evangelism is all about God. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's all about God, God's heart for people, as he works through us. You know, in verse 6, it says there in the text, they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people people everywhere. And then down in verse 10, it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowd learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. You know, Jesus had already sent, sent, sent out, you know, the, the twelve, right? And, and they come back and they tell Jesus, you know, you know, successful mission, you know, share the good news, and Jesus takes them away, you know, for some rest. Uh, perhaps he also wanted to rest himself because we know from the, the parallel accounts of the other Gospels that Jesus gets the news of John's death, his beheading at the hands of Herod the Tetrarch, who we read about here in this passage. So there's a lot going on. They wanted to get away, have a little, have a little, have a little rest, have a little retreat, uh, right? Um, but things are going so well, you know, Jesus and his disciples are becoming more and more popular that the crowd shows up. They hear all they've gone to Bethsaida and they show up where they're supposed to have their, you know, their little holiday, their little rest. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's getting late, you know, the crowds are there, and the disciples say, okay, Jesus, I, you know, I think we've done enough here for them. Send them off so they can get some food. And Jesus says, hey, you give them something to eat, right? You give them something to eat. Uh, you know, so another miracle occurs, the feeding of the 5,000, right? The five loaves of bread and two fish, you know, free food. You know, maybe it was a foreshadowing of Freshers Week. I don't know, you know, so what can happen during Freshers Week? You know, free food. But just, just picture the moment for a second. It's like you, you put in months and months and months of hard work, and then you go off to some holiday home, you know, maybe it's in Spain or some lovely little quaint village in England, you know, you're just ready to just, just relax and just, just read that book and you want to read and just watch the sunset. And a group of homeless people and, and sick people show up and they need your help. It's like one of those moments, you know? And, and, and Jesus' response in verse 11 is so convicting. He welcomed them, it says. 
and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. I read a comment on verse 11 this week. It said, the heart of Jesus was ever ready to melt over the manifold needs of men. Sympathy prevailed over the quest for solitude. Jesus is so amazing, just so full of grace, so full of love, right, all the time, so convicted. You know, and so this need of the people, it leads to Jesus giving more love, and then it leads to another great miracle, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And this is an interesting miracle. It's the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle shared by all four Gospels other than Jesus' resurrection uh, himself. But the miracles that he performed is the only one in all four Gospels. It's mentioned actually twice this idea of a miracle in Matthew and Mark's gospel. So it's mentioned six times in all. And so it's a great picture, again, of who Jesus was and what he meant to bring uh, to, to our lives. Uh, but what I love about this miracle is how Jesus, how he involves them. He involves them in the miracle. He says to them after this need comes up, you give them something to eat. And they say, well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. You know, how, how, can we, you know, how can we feed all these people with the little meager supplies that we have? You know, John's account in chapter 6 of the same uh, miracle says he, he was testing him. He already knew. He already knew he was going to perform a miracle with the things that he had. He was, he was seeing where they were at, you know, and all this. And he wanted them to be a part of, perhaps, uh, the miracle that was going to occur. And so they listen. They, you know, they listen to Jesus. They give their, their little to Jesus, and it produces much. And I think there's something really encouraging in there for us. You know, little is much if God is in it. Little is much if God is in it. God can take our little. Little bit of faith we might have. Little bit of hope we might have. Little bit of love we might have. Little bit of grace and forgiveness that we might have right now. If we can just really give that to God, he can take that little and he can multiply it. He can use it in ways we can never imagine. He can use it in ways to change our lives, to change other people's lives in ways we can, we can never even understand. But we've got to understand that. We've got to be willing to listen to him when he calls us to give our little to him. Which is the one thing the disciples do right in this whole encounter, man. And of course, when we do that, you know, God often exceeds our expectations. You know, as, as everyone is, everyone eats. Everyone is satisfied. It wasn't like, a, I just get that much bread and that much fish. It wasn't like that. Everyone was happy. Everyone was full. And there's 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over at the twelve apostles gathered. So they each got a little, they each got a little party gift, you know, you know, a basket full of bread. You know, God exceeds oftentimes our expectations when we trust in his plan. You know, in our evangelism, I believe God wants to exceed our expectations. You know, if you have expectations in, in reaching out to others and seeing God, you know, save people's souls, and you're not seeing God come through, I oftentimes, you know, think that's a real that's a real test for us because the question is. Who's not, who's not bringing their end of the bargain? Is it us or is it God? And the answer is, it's always us. It's never God. God wants to, you know, as it says in Ephesians 3, do, do more than we can ask or imagine. You know, through our prayers, but oftentimes it's our lack of prayer, our lack of trust, our, our lack of our willingness to give Jesus the little that we have so that he might multiply it. You give them something to eat. You know, we often feel inadequate in many moments. But let's trust that God will not call us into something he... He's not equipped us to do. Amen. Amen. Or, or maybe he, he wants to call us to something we cannot do without his help. You know, it's easy to be a critic, point out the faults in the plan, 
point out the problems uh, that occur and the call that God has given us. And the disciples, they do that very well here, don't they? But Jesus calls us, all of us in the church, to be a part of the solution. He calls all of us to be a part of the solution. In the master plan of evangelism, God, God exceeds, he exceeds expectations. If you're busy with us tonight, uh, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to our, our church family. We hope you, you feel at home. We hope uh, that you'll come back. But the Bible says clearly in John 6, 48, that Christ is the bread of life. He is the bread of life. He, he's good carbs, spiritually speaking. Christ is good carbs. But you, you must taste to see this. You, you must taste Christ to know that it indeed is a good thing. And as this cartoon shows, you know, Christ is offering us good news. He's offering us the bread of life. But, you know, I'm a vegan. You know, and, you know as a fish contestant for mercury, you know, is the bread gluten-free? You know, and, you know we, we, can, we can be so particular when it comes to Jesus and what he's calling us to and what he wants for our lives. And that was my biggest challenge in becoming a Christian. There was nothing wrong with the bread of life. It was, it was good, it was cooked, and it was ready to be eaten, spiritually speaking. But I was, I was picky, I was particular, I was proud, really. I was proud toward God. I thought, I thought the world had something better to offer than Christ, and I didn't get it. You know, are, are you missing tonight, if you're visiting with us, are you missing what he's trying to offer you? He's trying to offer you the bread of life. It's a lot like Herod. Herod showed up, we didn't spend much time on this, but... Uh, not the Herod who tried to kill Jesus as a baby, but one of his sons, Herod the Tetrarch, uh, is now reigning uh, in this part of, of uh, Judea. And he hears of Jesus, and he's already beheaded John the Baptist, because John the Baptist opposes a moral relationship. And, um, and so, so Herod's getting kind of nervous, but then he thinks, you know, in, in verse 9 there, in Luke 9, he says, it says that he thought about trying to see Jesus. So Herod was already finding the truth that John the Baptist brought up, and he's given another chance, but it says that he just, quote-unquote, tried. You know, and we know in the end he actually conspires with Pilate. Pilate sends uh, Jesus uh, to Herod because Jesus originally came from Herod's jurisdiction. That's why Pilate sent him to Herod. The Gospels record this uh, in John's Gospel. Uh, and Herod sends him back. So Herod had another opportunity later, but again, he just tried to notice Jesus, but he never really figured out who he was. You know, spiritually, we are all beggars looking for some bread. And Christianity is all about discovering the bread of life in Jesus. If you're busy with us tonight and you, you're not sure, you know, you're not sure about this bread of life thing with Jesus, please let us study the Bible with you and share with you how you can taste and see that the Lord is good. And church, you know, may we be excited. May we be eager to see the master plan of evangelism come through our faith. As we do, let us remember and be emboldened because God he provides, He works, and He exceeds as we go. The Berman Church said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.